Texas, the high schools. If it's the sport you care about, we're talking about it. The Full Court Press on Sports Talk Radio, 106.9 FM, 1390 AM. The Fan. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Full Court Press. AJ Nye, AJ Salveson here on 106.9 FM, 1390 AM, The Fan. Grateful to have you along, however, and wherever you are joining us from. Adam, the intern, is with us as well. Grateful to him and Gabby, the intern, who did great work uh, throughout the week and helping us get some info and uh, put together some things. So, grateful for all their help. Uh, it's time to get into or in the know on the Utah State Aggies and Colorado State Rams. And we're about to... Uh, Share with you our uh, recorded interview with Richie Schiller earlier today. Uh, Richie had to hop on a flight and get here to Utah State, where he's going to be calling the game tonight, or excuse me, tomorrow night on ESPN. Uh, AJ, let's just get your brief thoughts on this, though. Colorado State coming in. They've won four in a row, or four of the last five. They're on a roll right now. They beat Fresno State. Team that's kind of humming. If you're an Aggie fan, is that catch you off guard at all? Are you a little bit worried? Um, I mean, I think you're on edge. At least a little bit, just because this team's um, struggles to close games. However, at home, I would feel pretty confident. I would really be surprised. Double check the schedule here, but I'd really be surprised the rest of the way if Utah State doesn't win every game at home. Um, yeah, I, I I think they should win. I mean, you just I think you want to see them get on the roll that everyone's expecting or has been expecting yeah. for the season. Yeah. Yeah, this Colorado State team is uh, really, really, really good. In fact, you're going to hear from Craig uh, Smith here later in the hour uh, as they get uh, as they get ready for the Rams. But, uh, you know, the last year they played them, they beat them by 15 here, and Mish Keta was really, really good. Uh, in fact, we talked to Richie about that. Uh, but then all but then when you go in back to Colorado State, it took them to overtime to get there to get that win. And on the other side of it, Namish wasn't as good. He was in foul trouble most of the night. Carvalho was catching fire early in the first half. Uh, they, they're going to give you problems. I, th- I think Carvalho's coming here with a little bit of revenge. He's a little upset right now. Uh, they win by 18 over Fresno State, 86-68. And Carvalho was really good in that game as well. Uh, he finished with, uh, in 28 uh, minutes, he only had three points. He had four boards and three assists. But it was more of his defensive stuff that was actually giving the Fresno State Bulldogs problem. And uh, their coach was really well aware of that. And he gave him props. He says, look, I'm not a lot on the offensive end. We get it. But it's defensively what he did for us. It's, that's been a huge bonus. And I think they have they have confidence that he can actually not just slow down to Mishketa, but maybe, and I say maybe with capital letters, quotation marks, italicized, underlined, and bolded, shut down to Mishketa. That's asking a lot. Out of Carvacho, though. He's a good basketball player, but he's not Namish Keta level. I would agree. Uh, I think the thing that would give him an advantage over Keta, though, is the fact that Keta, I don't think, is still quite 100%, still not to uh, tip-top game shape. It was good to see him against the Air Force. Um, you know, he stayed out of foul trouble. He was dominant. He hit the three-pointer. And so this will be a good, I think, barometer for where Keta is um, compared to his 100%. And, I, you know, good ta- uh Good, tough test for Utah State to try and string together wins because, you know, this one's this one's a big one. You got the rematches coming up with San Diego State and UNLV. So we talked to Richie about their chances to get into March. They got to start stringing some wins together. Yeah, it's got to be right now, doesn't it? Yep, that's absolutely right. Uh, oh, sorry, I got a text. By the way, I forgot to do roll call. Roll call for everybody who's listening to our show. Text us in at 435 339 
435-339-0321. Text in. Let us know you're listening to the show, where you're listening from. Couch, car, underneath the car, working in the garage, shoveling. I don't know if you're shoveling snow. In the studio. Working outside. Yeah, in the studio. Where are you at? 435-339-0321. Text in. Let us know you're listening to the show. Let's do our roll call and get that going. But for now, it's time to turn it over. Without further ado, here is Richie Schiller with AJ Knight and myself here on the Full Court Press on 106.9 FM, 1390 AM. The Fan. Now, joining us here on the Full Court Press, one of my favorite dudes, uh, and he's probably done the best gimmick so far of Craig Smith <laughs> in regards of the bald cap, the uh, the movements, the body posture. It was all just extremely, what, Golden Globe? Would that be the word? Golden Globe Academy maybe favorite? Even, maybe an Oscar-esque. Richie, my man, how are we? What's going on? What's going on, man? So you like that little Craig Smith bit we had? It was good. I I went home and watched the game <laughs> after uh, after we got back, and uh, I was like, man, that's actually so. Like when uh, <laughs> when it was like, yeah, Richie's in the or uh, Coach Coach Smith is in the crowd. I was like, what is Coach Smith doing? I really like it. Really looked like you for a second, and I had to pause it, and I was like, oh my hell, it's Richie. You got to be kidding me. <laughs> No, that's funny. That's funny. So yeah, we wanted to do something in the student section with the ball cap, but then. Uh, then we wanted to do the little two-cup bit, too. You know, Coach Smith always has two <laughs> cups of water. And hey. so I picked up on that. Uh, the SID, Kyle, gave me that information. He says, look, he always has two cups. When things are going well, he drinks out of one cup. But as soon as things start to turn the corner, he starts to drink out of the other cup. You know, a little superstition. So, you know, we had to do the little two-cup bit, too. And then they did the side-by-side frame. And I thought it looked just like him. I think you're right on point. Yeah, the body posture was great. The hands on the hip, standing straight. Now, what we need you to do is run down the sideline, doing your defensive stance both ways, and then stomping really hard on the ground when someone's about to take a three. That's Get that in line. I think you're set. Oh, man. Well, you know, Coach Smith was all on board with the ball cap, but if I start... Mocking him on the sideline, he might not appreciate it. <laughs> mocking much. him, it's him. I nothing mocking about it. <laughs> Imitation is the highest form of flattery. Uh, you make a good point. Yes, it is the highest form of flattery. Richie, you've uh, you've seen this Utah State team on an absolute roller coaster, to say the least. After blowing an 18 point lead in about a four minute span to Boise State and falling at Extra Mile Arena, they turn around and come to the spectrum and take care of Air Force 72 47. What was the biggest difference you saw between? those two games well I think they just finished you know and that was a big theme for them finishing 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 is what coach Smith said they just kept talking about it all weekend and I'll tell you this for them to have that colossal collapse they had at Boise State and then for them to come or turn around and have a completely set of different attitudes going into that game I mean they look great and shoot around they look confident uh, going into the game they just looked outstanding uh, but anytime they got a lead, they got like a 20-point lead at some point, and I told my play-by-play partner, Eric Rothman, I said, hey, don't get too comfortable. There's still like 10 minutes to go. <laughs> we, we saw them uh, lose that 18-point lead with about three and a half. But I think that Coach Smith has done an outstanding job of not letting them just collapse for the season. Like when something like that happens, you're extremely vulnerable. You know, your confidence is shot. And in their case, they had lost three straight. Then they got back on track with Nevada, and it looked like they were going to do the same with Boise State and just keep a – little win streak going and it didn't happen so I give coach Smith a lot of credit and his staff for not letting them fall into a deep depressed funk as a team uh they were exactly the opposite in this game the other night and I expect them to continue that into Colorado State uh playing Colorado State tomorrow Richie for this team you know injuries have been well noted is it is it something mental because I feel like even that answer wouldn't be 
right? Because I mean they've played tough opponents throughout the season. What do you what do you attribute the hiccups to? You know, I think I think part of it is you know I know they brought six of their uh, top seven players back, but and they got a lot of the same base starters. But it's it is a little bit of a different team from last year, and I think part of it is. You know, early on, uh, before Kata came back, they really had no back-to-the-basket post-threat with size. I mean, maybe Anderson could do that a little bit, but when Karbovsky was playing big minutes, he really wasn't a back-to-the-basket guy. So they were really perimeter-oriented, you know, four round one on the offensive end. But, you know, their one down inside was coming out setting ball screens and back screens and whatnot. So it was a little bit of a different feel. Now you mix in Kata and um, now you have a back-to-the-basket player, and that changes your style of play. Um, and it just takes some time to get used to that. So I think that's part of it. But then, you know, you noted the injuries. Justin Bean, Sam Merrill both had some ankle injuries. They weren't the same. Uh, just before the Boise State game, I think they had a week off, and I think it allowed those two guys, and maybe even Abel Porter, I think he's had like an ailing back for a while. I think it allowed those guys to heal, and not just physically, but also as a team, figuring each other out more so on the floor, having some chemistry within each other. Because – you know, Kate is a great player. You know, when he's missing, you know, things are different, although they played pretty well for a while without him. But, you know, now that he's back, you've got to mix him back in, and you've got to figure out a way to play uh, a whole other style of play. And, you know, in the end, I think it's better, right, because Kate is such a great player. But in the beginning, you're going through some growing pains. And that loss at Boise State, I really believe that that loss will make them better throughout the course of season. I mean, that's not going to happen again. That was a, a very rare thing to happen, and I think they'll close out games from here on out. Uh, I want to ask you about Keta. It looked like on uh, against Air Force, he was actually fully back. You saw him dive on the floor, uh, a couple of big dunks, getting up on, on for rebounds. I mean, he was able to get up and block shots as well. Was that You covered Utah State extremely well this year. Was that the most you've seen Keta of the 2018-19 version of him? Absolutely. When they played at at Air Force, uh, he was different. Uh, he was very slow to get off the floor. He was very slow to react. Uh, and, you know, as a coach, you're always saying, hey, your mental quickness makes you physically quick. Well, Kata just trying, I mean, Kata was like in preseason shape a month ago. You know what I'm saying? Like he wasn't in game shape. He was just trying to get back into it. And you, you think slower. You're, every, everything that happens, you think it's not reacting. You're thinking. And when you're thinking, as a player, the athleticism is taken out of you. And so now that he's getting back in the swing of things, he looked really good against Air Force. I mean, still not his best. I think he can be a lot better, but he looked quick. He looked quick off the floor. He had the fast twitch muscles. Offensively, I remember him. I think he went baseline twice off a drop step. One time they called a travel. Uh, and I think three times he went to the middle with a little hook shot. And even once or twice, he even faced up inside. Like, got the ball in the post, turned around and faced the basket and attacked. And he just looked more confident and he looked like the player that you saw last year, but bigger and stronger. I think he put on what, 20, 25 pounds. Yeah. Um, look at his numbers. Well, he's one for one from threes now. He's hundred percent. Right. <laughs> uh, but from free throws, he's gone up 18, 19% in free throw percentage from last year at 56%. And now uh, I think he's like a 73, 74%. So he has certainly made the most of sitting out and um, just having nothing better to do than shoot. With uh, with him healthy, what are the odds you give? Uh, what are the chances you give the Aggies at San Diego State? Because you know they're going to have that one marked down. They played a pretty good game against him in the Spectrum, but obviously it's well noted they're still trying to figure out 
their team, trying to get healthy, and that one's got to be a big one for the, the end of the Mountain West Conference play. Well, I think that San Diego State is, I mean, they're outstanding, right? I mean, they're 20-0. and 0, Absolutely. Uh, third time in their school history. I mean, they're terrific. Uh, the, by the way, the previous two times they made the Sweet 16. So, uh, but a little bracket a tip for you there. Three. Yeah, there you go, man. <laughs> right now, Joe Lenardi's got him at his number one seat. So, uh, But they are vulnerable, and things have changed for them. Uh, they've been without uh, Nathan Menza, big, tall man. I think he's from Ghana. Uh, I think he's close to you know six ten seven foot, really long arms, rim protector, and rebounder. And they've been without him for I think maybe nine games now. And um, I- I'm not sure he's coming back. I think he might be. He's having some issues. So I, you know, not nothing. I mean, it's health related. He's having some health related issues that I don't think they really put out there too much. But I'm not sure he's coming back. And so what they've done is they've taken their Vanderbilt transfer, who's a big seven footer or six ten kid, and they've made him into a five, who normally plays a four. So they've had to change their way of play, and you know that can take other teams by surprise. But now that that's been happening and going for a while, people are going to learn how to play against that. Uh, I said during the broadcast, I was talking to Eric Rothman, and he asked me, he goes, of all the teams in the Mountain West, which team do you feel like is going to be having the best shot of beating San Diego State come conference tournament time? And I went through all the teams. I mean, UNLV is playing terrific under Coach Altsberger up there, first-year coach. You know, Colorado State is really trending up, and Nevada's good, and Boise, and blah, blah, blah. But in my opinion, Utah State has the best team and the best roster to do so. Uh, no question in my mind, you know, I don't think Utah State's going to win the regular season championship. I mean, what are they, 4-4? Four and four? But um, there's no doubt that they're continuing to peak. I think they had their dark time, and now they got their pieces. And as long as everybody stays healthy, I mean, they're going to keep peaking. San Diego State may have peaked already. Utah State's going to keep getting better, and there's no doubt in my mind that they could beat San Diego State um, now that they're getting all together, and there's no doubt in my mind that they can win the conference tournament championship. So uh, your hometown team uh, you know, still may, may very well be conference champions at the end of this thing. I, I want to get to the Mountain West as a whole more in just a bit, but i got to ask you, tomorrow night uh, you are calling the, uh, or at least part of the broadcast for the uh, Utah State, Colorado State game at the Spectrum, eight o'clock. Another late tip off. I'm getting sick of these. Uh, but uh, <laughs> right. the last year they faced each other, Keta had a heyday, eight of eleven from the field in 36 minutes. He had 18 points, 11 rebounds, ten of those were defensive. He had the one offensive rebound. And on the other side, Nico Carvacho, he was, I, I wouldn't say more down, but it was, uh, it was a quiet night for him. Five of eight from the field, 12 points, 10 boards. Uh, how much do you look forward to this matchup? And do you feel like Carvacho has, has improved from last year to this year and how? Well, it's a, those are great questions. Carvacho, you know, here's the biggest differences between Keita and Carvacho. Carvacho is obviously an amazing rebounder, best of all time in the Mountain West Conference. Uh, but he's not going to be, you know, a guy that's jumping out of the gym. Uh, he's not a superb athlete. And you look at Keita and you see how long he is and his leaping ability and his quickness, he has that on Carvacho. Uh, you know, I think Keita plays more of like a power style and, um, you know, he, he's pretty good with his footwork and things. Carvacho's good with his footwork too, but he's not as long. And uh, I just don't think Carvacho has like those fast twitch muscles and whatnot to block shots like, like uh, Keita does. One great thing I love about Carvacho is every time you see him rebound the basketball, I mean, he just has a, t- a nose for the ball. He's, he's tenacious, has unbelievable hands, but watch him when he goes to rebound. He always gets the, goes and gets the ball with two hands. And his first coach there, Larry Eustachie, three years ago told me 
he thought for sure Carbaccio would be in the NBA. Um, I don't personally see it. I think Kate is the NBA prospect of the two. Um, but anytime you have a person that can rebound, oftentimes that translates to the next level. An NBA scout told me that once. He goes, you know, rebounding is something that always translates to the next level. Uh, it's all other qualities, rebounding. But those two head-to-head, I think Carvacho is going to have a hard time. I mean, Kata's bigger. Um, maybe they weigh about the same. Kata's probably a little more now. But Kata's an inch or two taller. Uh, I think he's more quicker and athlete, more athletic than Carvacho. Uh, but I just think that Carvacho, you know, I, I'm, I'm most curious to see who's going to win that rebounding battle. You know what I mean? Mm. Who's yeah. going to win that rebounding battle? And I think Carvacho's footwork's a little bit better uh, than it was a year ago. You asked how he had improved. Uh, I still think he has great hands and great anticipation. Um, one thing both those guys have, they both have amazing vision inside the post. They're both really good passers out of the post. So, you know, if one team elects to double, double down, they almost always find the right player uh, that leads to a good shot. I want to ask you about Colorado State as a whole. This team's trending upward, as you already mentioned earlier. What is different about Colorado State, say, before, I guess, the first half of the season? Well, they're young. Um, they're young and old. they got four freshmen that get some serious playing time, and they have three seniors that get a lot of playing time. So those four freshman players that they have, and one is a point guard, Isaiah Stevens, uh, they're terrific. Isaiah Stevens is good. He's a good three-point shooter. He uh, may be their best player. Um I mean, he leads the team, and anytime you have, anytime you go from a senior in high school to a freshman in college at Division One, it is a major jump. the The speed of the game is uh, incredibly fast, faster uh, at the Division One level, and that's all. It's, it's hard because remember we talked about Kata coming back into play. Uh, you know, he's thinking too much in the beginning, right? So it slows down his athleticism. Same thing happens with every freshman, but then you give a player like Isaiah Stevens the point guard. Uh, the hardest job on the floor, and he's still adjusted. I mean, he's like 12, 13 a game, four or five assists, and he's been great. And then they got another freshman, David Roddy, who's a four-man, 6'5", 250. Some people say he's you know could be freshman of the year. He's like 14 and 7 in the conference. And they just have some other good players surrounding them. But I just think that those freshmen are starting to figure it out. Uh, first of all, Nico Medved is like there on the level of Craig Smith. I mean, they're just terrific coaches. They know how to coach. They've been experienced coaches before they came here as head coaches. And, you know, Colorado State, they did have nine non-conference wins. I think that's their best in like five, six years. Um, But I just feel like these freshmen they have are figuring it out, and they're getting better each and every day, and that's making a major impact on uh, the success of their program this year. Looking at the Mountain West as a whole, you already mentioned how San Diego State uh, right now in bracketology is predicted as a one-seed um, how many bids do you think the Mountain West is going to get? And I guess how important on top of that are those potential rematches USU could have with San Diego State for their own bracket hopes? You know, I, I think it's going to be extremely difficult for Utah State to get an at-large unless they win out, you know, and maybe they have one or two hiccups. But I think they've got to finish, you know, 13-3, and 14-4 in league, um, to be honest with you, to get, to get that. Uh, now, they do have some good wins. You know, they, they beat LSU, they beat Florida. Um, and I could go down the list. They'd be some really good teams, but I just think as of late, uh, they're out of that conversation right now. And could they get back in there? Of course, of course they could. Um, but they've got to really, they've got to finish strong. I mean, they got to get at least, you know, I think 23, 24 wins. It's just my guess. Now I have, I have no bracketologist, but I just, from my feel and just from conversing with other people who, who have talked about it, that's kind of their feel as well. Um, but 
if San Diego State wins the conference tournament, I'm not convinced Mountain West will have more than one. Uh, now, if Utah State, you know, does what we just talked about, possibly, possibly they got to get back in that conversation. They're not there now. Um, but I'm not convinced San Diego State's going to win the conference tournament. Do I think San Diego State's going to get in that large bid? Yeah, I do. But I'm not convinced they're going to win the conference tournament because uh, everybody's peaking at that time, and you know it's hard to stay on top. I mean, think about San Diego State. They haven't lost a game since last March. Yeah. I mean, it's been ten and a half months since they lost a game. Uh, <laughs> it's hard to keep that. So by season's end, when they continue to play games and whatnot, every other team is just continuing to improve. And teams like Utah State that are well coached, they they peak at the right time. They just continue getting better every week of the season. Richie Shore of ESPN uh, joins us here on the Full Court Press. Richie will be the analyst on the ESPN broadcast tomorrow. He's Craig Smith's twin, long-lost twin, doppelganger, whatever you want to call it. Uh, <laughs> hey, yeah. by the way, i got to ask you, is, uh, did Sam uh, ask for any of your nachos or anything? Because that guy, And did you actually oblige? Because that guy was on a roll versus Air Force. So did you finally learn your lesson? Is that what happened? Because yeah, you're making fun of me because of San Jose State. I didn't give him my chili dog. Yeah, chili, yeah. nachos, chili uh, yeah, dog, well, whatever it is. Did you finally actually give in and help? Pants mid-game. Yeah, I got you. Yeah. So, you know what? Sam Sam is always cordial. He's great. He's always said hello and he kind of nods his head at me when he sees me. But he since since I didn't give him the chili dog, he really hasn't talked to me as much. <laughs> uh, I don't know if he's, if he's just, you know, like upset. Is he hurt by that or what? I don't know. But, uh, no, honestly, I think – I think they've uh, a lot of their players have tried to change their approach because, uh, you know, they, things have not been going so well. So they're trying to stay a little more focused, stay away from the media. But Sam's always polite. And Justin Bean, Justin Bean's always coming up and shaking my hand. I like that kid. Uh, but hey, can I ask you guys a question? Shoot, what's up with Jello in Utah? I'm just learning about this. Jello is what me. what what funeral potatoes are to Utah, as is Jello fry sauce. Jello. Way to use an example that's solely only Utah. <laughs> well, that's the only thing things I can think <laughs> about, man. As someone who's not from the state, I'm with you. I don't get the supreme love fest either. It's it's kind of weird, but I like it. It's so much that I think I'm going to eat Jello on air tomorrow night. Do it! Ooh. Oh my gosh, do it you now! Put food if, in it. Then now, you're... I would request you put some whipped cream in it and you make it green Jello if you want. The delectable taste of grandeur heaven in Jello. You will have green Jello with whipped cream, and then you will give me credit for this because you okay. will be in love with it. So yeah, you're you're so you're weirdly obsessed with this too. It sounds like. Well, I'm from Utah, yeah, so yes, Jell-O. absolutely. Like you got it. <laughs> I'm just playing. No, that's great. All right. Well, I'm gonna have to see what we can do. I'm gonna talk to the producer about this. <laughs> Let me know if you need any help. I know the best Jello places to go. I mean, can I get some to go so I can bring it to the game? Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. You can at least let me know where you're at. I get the hookup. I'll bring you some you. jello salad. Oh, my gosh, you're going to love it. Oh, you'll be so in love. Jello salad is the way to go. <laughs> right. I'm going to hit you up later. i got to get me some jello. Right. <laughs> hey, uh, Rich, i got to ask you, uh, what's your biggest surprise so far of the Mountain West season so far, and what's your biggest disappointment? Can they be the same? Yeah, um, absolutely. Go ahead. I mean, I, I, somebody asked me this on a show a couple weeks ago, or a week or two ago, and I and I they said the biggest surprise. That's all they asked me, and I said Utah State. I'm surprised they they had that hiccup that they lost three in a row, then four or five. Uh, but when you get when you when you peel off a few layers of the onion, you see why. I mean, there's injury issues. They're trying to mix in a great player. They're trying to do things different. So that just happens. Um, so you know, I'll say that's my biggest surprise, Utah State. Um, 
but I, I think they're going to get that turnaround. Uh, I, I do think that they could still win that conference tournament. They, they're going to be right there. Here's my biggest disappointment. The New Mexico Lobos. Mm. To start out whatever they were, like 14-2 and two or whatever, 15-2 and two or whatever they were, um, and then to have two guys get removed from the team uh, for off-the-court issues. And that's disappointing to me because they had a team. They had a squad. They were loaded with talent. And now they're completely different. And I did the game at Colorado State a week ago when New Mexico was there. And uh, Colorado State had 19 threes on them, and they looked dead in the water. But you can't do much about 19 threes. But just their body language going into warm-ups was right after the second player got kicked off the team within a week. And I could tell, I mean, these guys are going to get smashed tonight. And they did. Lost by like 30, Colorado State. So it's just disappointing to me that they had such a great squad. I do like their coach, Paul Weir. Uh, they got a great staff, and then that happens, and I feel bad for them. But um, I guess you could say that's what happens when you take guys with questionable character. Yeah, good point. On the yeah. on the subject of uh, players and, and punishment, have anything to your mind stand out as bad as that uh, Kansas Kansas State brawl in recent <laughs> history? Because I mean, you're talking some serious suspensions for teams. You, you know, and that's no, I haven't. I can't think of anything in recent. You know what? I'm a big. I'm from Cincinnati, so. The Crosstown shootout's a big deal in Cincinnati every year. It's the uh, Xavier versus Cincinnati game. Mm. And Xavier's got the best of them over the last decade. But it's uh, they had a brawl maybe 10 years ago that was uh, right. similar, similar, where they didn't have the game for like two years, Yeah, which was right. a big deal in Cincinnati. Yeah. yeah and, um, you know, I haven't lived there in forever, but, uh, you know, I still follow. And, um, it's, so, but I don't know. That, can't, that one was pretty bad. I, I haven't seen a guy pick up a chair before. Yeah, that's amazing. The thing is, like, both benches got ejected in that game because they both ran off the floor. There, evidently, the ref said there was one second left in the game, so they could be ejected. Uh, and I don't know what's going to happen, and that's disappointing too because Kansas was five and one on the, on the way to another conference championship, and then that happens. So, yeah, it's I, I hate that. I, I you know, and, and you got you got to understand too. We're talking about eighteen to twenty three year olds. And all of us did stupid stuff. Now, maybe we didn't get in fights, but we all did stupid stuff between 18 and 23. You're not always thinking <laughs> no, totally. uh, appropriately. So, you know, you got to think, you know, you got to forgive some of these guys for their actions, and they're probably going to be embarrassed about it down the road if they're not already. But it just, it's just disappointing that, you know, teams are having great years, and then, boom, these kind of things happen. Would, would you go as far as go on record and say Kansas absolutely won't win the Big 12? Because, I mean, you've got, what, Baylor, West Virginia, Texas Tech. I mean, it's a pretty good conference this year, and Baylor's obviously sitting at number one right now. You know, I, I wouldn't say that there's no chance because I don't know how Bill Self did it for whatever it was, 13, 14 years. Fair. Uh, I mean, he's had roster issues in the past, and, and he still finds a way. I mean, I – Say what you want about Bill Self and say what you want about the FBI investigation, but he does something with those players. You know what I mean? Like the old John Wooden quote, you've you got to have talent to win, but just because you have talent doesn't mean you're going to win. And uh, he still wins with that talent. You know what I mean? And that's, that's you know, so he, he's, he's getting it done. Uh, and he's doing a great job of coaching who he has and he always has. He's been extremely successful winning a lot of conference championships along the way. Richie, that's great stuff. Thank you so much for your time. We know you got to get ready uh, for this Utah State uh, Colorado State game, so we wish you the best at the uh, at the game. And uh, again, let me know when you want any of that gel green <laughs> salad. Uh, it's, a, it's a specialty. Man, I, I don't know. Yeah, I got, I got to figure. I don't even know what a jello green salad is. I, oh. I, I just want some jello. 
by itself. Yeah. See, that's what normal people want outside out. of Utah. That's boring, just regular man. Jello. Whipped cream and Jello. I mean, regular come on. Jello. <laughs> yeah. Don't yeah, put we'll, things in my Jello. Yeah, I don't, I don't want pineapple See? in there. You know, See? I just want some. I just want a spoonful of clear liquid, whatever that is. Solid Listen to liquid. the man. What is, what is Jello? You, you yeah, are not a yeah. hard guy to please. I'm just telling you, it will change your life. <laughs> Promise you. All right. All right, hey, Richie, thanks for your time. Really appreciate you, man. Thanks, Be Richie. safe. All right, man. Thanks, guys. I'll see right. you tomorrow. Yeah. That's Richie Schiller of ESPN. Grateful to have him join us here on the Full Court Press. Great interview. Great guy. Uh, good stuff. A lot of good stuff coming out of that one. Uh, the fact that he thinks that Utah State is going to peak, or it, it has not peaked yet but will, and they'll do so at the right time, in so much that they may, just may, find themselves in a conference championship. Yeah, I don't know how you don't come away from that feeling positive. I know the season's yeah. been really up and down, I think is how you phrase it. There's no way I think there's no better way to do that. But I, I you gotta have a little bit of a I think an alarm too. Cause beginning of the season, you thought USU lock. They're going to March. Yep. Right now, Richie says not in. I, that's a little bit alarming for this season. Is that team. crazy or yeah. what? <laughs> yeah, that that's mind boggling to me. Uh so all right. So here's the thing. We actually got a new segment that's gonna be coming on. Uh, I think twice a week, I believe. It's called This Week in the NCAA. So we have This Week in the Mountain West. It Here is This Week in the NCAA with, of course, our guy, Kevin Krugler. I'm Kevin Krugler with This Week in the NCAA on Westwood One. No doubt this week has been circled on the calendar of most school administrators for some time as representatives from all three divisions gathered this week for the annual membership convention. This year's event is wrapping up this weekend in Anaheim, California, with a lot of important issues front and center for discussion. Most notably is the topic of how student-athletes will be allowed to benefit from their name, image, and likeness. Other topics include modification of the rules related to Olympic hopeful athletes, changes in how multi-team events are treated in men's basketball, and in Division II, a possible notification of transfer model, similar to the process now used in D1. Another element of the convention each year is the celebration of college sports through several recognition programs and awards. We'll tell you about those coming up on This Week in the NCAA. Okay, you know how it feels when you've saved enough for that long-awaited home edition? Now imagine an edition on that edition. That's the feeling with Capital One where a new savings account earns an interest rate five times the national average. That's right, five times, as represented by five times more singers. This is Banking Reimagined. Capital One, what's in your wallet? Terms apply. Rate comparison based on FDIC national rate. Capital One NA member FDIC. When you have trouble sleeping, it's tough. When kids have trouble sleeping... Mom, I can't sleep. Dad, just one more story? For nights like this, try Vicks Pure Z's Kids. Our great-tasting gummies are specially formulated for kids with a unique blend of botanicals and a low dose of melatonin to support their natural sleep cycle. Best of all, they're drug-free and non-habit-forming. Help your child fall asleep naturally with Pure Z's Kids Gummies. Consult with a doctor before use for ages 4 and up. This year's NCAA membership convention wrapped up this weekend in Southern California and included a number of awards and recognition events. The Wednesday Honors Celebration included the prestigious Theodore Roosevelt Award being presented this year to Bob Delaney, a celebrated New Jersey state law enforcement undercover participant in the organized crime investigations of the late 70s. 
later a respected NBA official, Delaney has dedicated much of his life to organizations that help others through stressful events such as post-traumatic syndrome and the loss of a military service loved one. This year's Inspiration Awards went to former Notre Dame football star Rocky Blyer and 2019 Ball State graduate and basketball player Trey Moses, who's been an outspoken voice on mental health issues. Other awards presented this week include the Pat Summit Award, which was given posthumously to former Vanderbilt administrator David Williams, and the Gerald R. Ford Award that was presented to longtime college basketball TV analyst Dick Vitale. That's This Week in the NCAA. I'm Kevin Kugler on Westwood One. A big thanks to Kevin Kluger for joining us there uh, on the Full Court Press. He'll be doing so, I, like I said, I, I know it's once a week. It might be even twice a week here coming up. you also hear college basketball games here on this very station, 106.9 FM, 1390 AM, The Fan. And don't forget, very cool, we do have the Super Bowl uh, coming up on February 2nd. That will air on this station. And then we will be airing the March Madness Tournament. Heck yeah. Uh, we'll be airing the, uh, mark, the marquee game of the day games, of the day session, and the marquee game of the night games. Uh, in the night, in the evening session, right. and then they'll go from game to game uh, based on where they are in their game. If it's a close game or an upset or whatever it is, they'll go from game to game, and it's really, really, really cool what Westwood One does. Uh, it's great work from them. So, again, we'll be airing the Super Bowl on February 2nd, and then, of course, airing the March Madness Tournament here on 106 on FM, 1390 AM, The Fan. Time to take a break. Coming back, we'll uh, get into more of you, a little bit of Utah State talk, and then, of course, it's our Friday Five Best, the five best baseball players to not make the Baseball Hall of Fame. That's all coming up. AJ Knight, AJ Salveson, 106.9 FM, 1390 AM, The Fan. The new home for the full court press. Weekday afternoons from 4 to 6 on Sports Talk Radio, 106.9 FM, 1390 AM, The Fan. AJ Knight, AJ South here on the Full Court Press, 106 on FM, 1390 AM. Thanks to Richie Schuler for joining us here to uh, talk Utah State, Colorado State basketball, look at Utah State, Mount West Conference as a whole in top 25 action. I can't wait to see him taste Jello. Well, I mean, I'm sure he's had Jello before. He sounds like he hasn't, man. That would be a story right there. <laughs> You've never had Jello. Because he's like, never had Jello. And so he wants to go, and he texted us after, and he's like, hey, can I just pick that stuff up? I'm that like, would be a story yeah, if he's never had Jello. That'd be a heck of a story if you ask me. Is that a good omen? It's got to be a good omen for USU, right? Uh, Is Jello a thing in Colorado? Yeah. I don't think so. No, no I don't think not, so. Not in Colorado. It's got to be a good omen for USU. No, not in Colorado. I like it. It's good for luck for the Aggies. Let's do it. Well, Aggies do need, well, I don't think you really need luck tomorrow. It's uh, Colorado State at home. Oh, Colorado State is on a roll right now. They dominate Fresno State on Wednesday, 86-68 at home in Colorado Springs. Or, excuse me, in Fresno, actually. So now they're still on the road as they get ready for the Utah State Aggies. Really tough stretch for them. Uh, Listen, I I was really interested in the points he brought up about Nico Carvacho. That some think he's an NBA caliber player. And and, and Richie was very adamant in saying he's not. Keta is, at least he's not to Keta's level. Is Keta, in your opinion, AJ, at that level where he was last year, where people consider him the NBA talent? Um, yes and no. The 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 three point stroke looked nice. I think he's diversified his post moves. Those are good. The free throw shooting is better. So there, yes. I don't think he's he's quite um physically there just because of he's still, I think, he's not quite in game shape. Sure. Because um he while having him on the court is a is a 
defensive um, aid because of his sheer size. I don't think he's quite moving at 100%. And Because when he does that, he's a defensive terror. Anything oh, he's next so to him, he's going to swat away. Yeah, he's so good. So, yeah, I'm not that he's not doing it now. I just don't think he's at 100%. And when he does that, I think it completely changes team. That's what Richie pointed out because of his offense. And then obviously... It makes it makes defense a lot easier if your guy gets by you and then he's got to go up against Keta. You don't have to worry about it as much. Another guy I want to see who I've well, I guess it's been good to see finally get back to him himself after the UNLV high sprain was Justin Bean. Uh, yeah. That he nearly had a putback dunk where it came off high off the rim and he, I mean, if he throws that thing down and completes it, this that place that roof goes off big time. That place electrifies. I mean, it's incredible. The uh, energy he brings in, and when he's healthy, he's one of the best players, not just on the team, but also in the Mountain West Conference. I'd agree. He just seems to have uh, to steal Richie's uh, common basketball uh, saying. Just seems to have a nose for the ball, and he just he seems he's always making the right play. Just seems like no matter what, he's making the right play. Uh, another guy I need to I I would like to see more out of is Diogo Brito. He did have a good game against Air Force. He's gonna be need he's gonna need to be big tomorrow. They have uh, a couple of big guys in the uh, backcourt, um, and they're they're strong. They're big. They're physical. Everywhere you look on that court, at least with their starting lineup, and so they're going to be a problem. Diogo Brito is going to need to play great defense coming off the bench. A quick shout out as well. Uh, student section was out in full force against Air Force and for a nine o'clock game too. Yeah. So shout out to them. My favorite I don't I don't think it was Air Force. It was the Nevada game. They had that big cutout of Keta that was behind one of the hoops. Oh yeah, they've had that since last year. One of the one of my favorite things I've ever seen a student section have. Yeah, it uh they have the fat heads and they have the big cutout of Keta. I've had that since last year. It's it, it's really cool. And actually and I'm kinda of surprised it actually worked on uh, their leading score uh for Air Force. He's he's an intimidating presence. It'd scare me too. <laughs> Keta's already seven feet. That Keta's like seventy feet. Yeah, so and, and and Air Force really struggled at the line, and they're actually a good free throw shooting team, but they had issues at the line, especially in the second half, uh, against the Aggies. Uh, for Colorado State, um give me three keys for what Colorado State needs to do to get a win at the spectrum. Well you gotta negate Keta. You got to be physical, I think, on the perimeter, especially with Sam Merrill. But you can't foul because Sam's basically automatic. So you got to find a way to to get him off his game without sending him to the line. And uh, I think you got to get in transition. I think that uh, the the Aggies are set up in a way with Keta now back and the way they shoot free throws, especially Merrill. That if you get behind, they can dump it into Keta. They can have Merrill drive off pick and rolls and and get to the foul line and just bleed you to death. So I think if you put them behind, uh, the Aggies can get maybe a little bit prone to shooting threes, which they're not terrible at, but if it's just not their night, that's a way to kind of run and hide with the lead. And then for the Aggies, give me three keys. Uh, quick start. I think quick start at the Spectrum is always good, especially gets the fans into it, and that makes that place that much more challenging. Um, I think you got to – Kata's got to keep going. you got to have him be a factor, especially with his uh, opponent on the other side. Uh, you know he's going to be a factor for Colorado State. Fa- foul trouble as well. No foul trouble for Keta would be big. And then, uh, you know, good passing. I think the the Aggies have shown that they have a little bit of that um, Golden State-ness before Devin, uh, Kevin Durant went there where they just could really pass the ball and get that open shot. You'd like to see a lot more of that because they can shoot. they got shooters. I- I'm with you. I think for Colorado State, uh, you gotta you got to get to the hoop. 
Air Force got themselves behind the eight ball and then in deep trouble when they start taking outside shots the whole entire rest of the night. Yeah. If you can drive and get to the hoop, it's going to get cut in foul trouble. Dorius is struggling with foul trouble as well the last two games. Uh, if you can get those two guys in that issue in the first half, it makes the Aggies spells different trouble. Team, yep, yeah, it does. It, it puts them in a whole different uh, bind where they and they've really yet to find a solution to it. Uh, and then you got to hit your shots. I mean, look, if you can get to the foul line, that's great. Hit your freebies. But if you can get open looks versus Utah State, you got to knock them down because you don't get a lot of them with their defense. No. And then the final key is, like you said, run, 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 run. Play that fast-paced game as much as you possibly can. And see if you can wear these Aggies out because they, yeah, Coach Smith isn't one to really go deep to his bench. Even though he does have a deep bench, he doesn't go to it often. And then on the other side for the Aggies, uh, one, Brito's got to be really good defensively and offensively. He's got to be better. I mean, I know Air Force, he was good. Now he's got to be better. Uh, Bean's got to be back to the old Bean of the first half of the season that we saw. Yeah. Right? You yeah. know, uh, getting, I mean, being aggressive, being physical, being scrappy, hardest worker on the court. And then, of course, number three, someone's got to help out Sam Merrill and, and hit some shots. It's got to, it can't just be Sam. Brock's got to come through as well. And I, I said that over and over and over and over again because it really is the key, and Brock continues to struggle doing so. Uh, Abel Porter's going to need to come through. Sean Barristow, if he gets minutes, is going to need to be good. I thought he has been before. I think he'll need to be even better tomorrow night. Aggies, Carl State, tomorrow night, pregame on KVNU with Al Lewis at 7 a.m., 6.10, or 7 p.m., sorry, on 6.10 a.m., KVNU. Uh, pre-game will be Al Lewis and uh, Jill Moore. Post-game is Al Lewis and John Russell. That will be immediately following the game where you can call in and share your thoughts on the Aggies after what we hope is a win at the Spectrum. After that, the Aggies head on to the road to Wyoming on Tuesday, and then, of course, the showdown with the Aztecs next Saturday night. All right, coming back. It's time for one of my favorite conversations. Oh, boy. The five best Hall of Fame, or excuse me, five best baseball players not to be in the Hall of Fame. If you have thoughts on this, text in at 435-339-0321. It's AJ Knight. I'm AJ Salveson. Full Court Press on 106.9 FM, 1390 AM, The Fan. The Full Court Press on Sports Talk Radio, 106.9 FM, 1390 AM, The Fan. I said upside down. AJ Knight, AJ South here on the Full Court Press. 5.48 your time is get ready to put a bow on the second hour and call the weekend for you. A lot going on. We'll get to that in just a bit. But, of course, it's our time for the Friday Five Best. And with the announcement of the Hall of Fame of Derek Jeter and Larry Walker entering the Hall of Fame, a lot of people feel like a lot of other guys are getting snubbed for various reasons. So AJ and I thought, you know what? Let's give our five best players who have not made the Hall of Fame. Do you think baseball is the hardest Hall of Fame to get into? Yeah. I think so, too. Yeah, and this is proving it. Why? This is this is proving it as as to why that is. It's amazing. Uh, if you want to text in and join in on this conversation, you can do so at four three five three three nine zero three two one four three five three three nine zero three two one. AJ, let's begin. Okay, you first, me first. All right, I'll go. Uh, yes. Player that should be in: Kurt Schilling. Yeah, it's hard to. I, I really Kurt think- Schilling has two game seven wins. Yeah. He has an MC World Series MVP after a win over the New York Yankees where he got two victories, two, and he shut down that Yankee squad. And then he did it again in 2004 with the Bloody Sock. Yep. I agree. Clutch Gene. I, I think he's being punished for uh, some of his views that aren't related to baseball in a way you may not agree with him, and I definitely don't. It doesn't matter. I it mean, it doesn't do affect his... the baseball I agree. Field. I'm with you. I'm with you. I, I, I have him. I agree with you. I'm with that. Kurt Schilling in. 
All right, you? Oh, okay. I thought you were going to keep going since I agreed with your first one. Uh, doesn't the Astros situation make you think a little bit differently about Pete Rose? Absolutely. Ab- dude, ab- thank you. Thank you. Because I, I know he broke a cardinal sin, but he he didn't cheat on the field. He definitely didn't cheat in the World Series. The Astros have, it's been proven right, track record of cheating in this whole dynasty they yeah. set up. And we're not taking any World Series titles away from him. Nope. No players punished. Carlos Beltran was the only one that was really punished. Yeah. I think it, Is that I, amazing? I think it... it I don't know that I don't think it will actually because I think baseball tries to root itself very much into its tradition. I don't think he'll get in, but with the whole Astro situation, gotta make you think differently about Pete. Well, Rose. they said they won't even like even when he dies, they won't put him yeah, in. That's ridiculous. Uh, that's just such a bitter thing. Yeah, I'm with you. I agree. Uh, another guy I think should be in the Hall of Fame and is not Dale Murphy. This is an absolute sham. It is a robbery, it is a disappointment, and it is a disgrace to the MLB itself. What's your, let, let, give me your argument, why? So Dale Murphy, do, do you know, you because know, yeah, you know he's from Utah, right? A little bit. Yeah. I know a little bit about him. So Dale Murphy played for the Braves. Okay. Uh, and was really, I, I, he actually had a couple of Braves records for quite some time, if I remember right. Um, but overall, okay, he played 18 years of baseball. A majority of it with Atlanta, then went to uh, Philadelphia and then Colorado to end his career. Uh, but with Atlanta, he was so dang good. He, at one point, I'm going to make sure I have this right. He at one point had a batting average of 330 in his sixth year with the Braves overall. Pretty 330. Uh, he had 163 hits with the Braves. Uh, it doesn't give me his home run. Uh, let's see. Here we go. Uh, he had 40. I mean, twice, by the way. Twice he broke the 40-plus home run barrier. Okay. 41 and 44. Remember, this is back in 85 and 87 when, I mean, pitching usually dominated the game at that point in time. Overall, his average ended up being 265 on base, 346, 465 slugging percentage. He was the, uh, let's see, A, he was an MVP of the All-Star game in... If I say this right, 82, 80, and 83, and 84, and 85. Seems Good. like a decent case. Gosh, man. Uh, I'm looking at awards. Uh, it doesn't list it right now. I don't know why it doesn't. Um, I I honestly think that Dale Murphy should be in the Hall of Fame. I think it's an incredible stream that he's not. Can I give you two because it's the exact same reason? Yeah. Roger Clemens and Barry Bonds. I know, I know, steroids, I got it. But can we just, they were Hall of Famers before that. And maybe, and I think their punishment is maybe they didn't get in his first ballots, which they probably, if they if they had not done the steroids, probably were on pace to do. But I mean, come on. I mean, it's so unfair, I think, to punish them because you know them and then have no idea because it's just a handful that they know. And you know it was like, so many of the players. Oh yeah, there's a chunk of people, man. So easy. I mean, this what this case to me is so simple. They were Hall of Famers before the steroids. Case closed. <laughs> I, I it's a shame. I it really and it, and uh, you know I've I've seen videos of him not getting the phone call and dude, you, he looks so heartbroken. And he tries to not make it about him, but you can tell that like really, the the guy deserves it. Um, just I mean his stats, his numbers, his 
the and the respect he he gets from around the major league baseball is is astounding to me that he's not in. Uh, I'm gonna go one more, and okay. this one for me is an obvious one: Barry Bonds. Barry Bonds saved baseball when it was going back down. Because remember when Sammy Sosa and Mark McGuire had that great home runs chase? That was when I became a baseball Roger fan. Maris. And then it had that die-off period. And then Barry Bonds brought it back to a whole nother level, a brand new life and resurrection period that lasted for so long. It, was, it, it wasn't just getting the 75 home runs to beat Mark McGuire. Then it became 7-15 to beat Hank Aaron. There was so much more to it. And people forget about that. Barry Bonds, whether whether he had steroids or not, I dude, you still have to throw him a better pitch. You still have to hit the ball. You still have to hit it out of the park. <laughs> I don't get why we have this. I, it just mind boggles me, man. He's going to make it, and it's just unfortunate that he hasn't made it yet. I'm with you. I'm going back to the point I made. I think Barry Bonds and Roger Clemens were Hall of Famers before the steroids. Therefore, they should be in the Hall of Fame. Roger Clemens is another good one that should be in. Totally agree. Yeah. Like, that guy in the World Series was so dang clutch. Yeah. Like I said, (laughs) I think they were Hall of Famers before their steroids, and I know, so maybe this is their just desserts that they don't get in as early as they probably should have, but they were Hall of Famers before. They were Hall of Famers before. It's just a nice memory that... Uh, the Baseball Hall of Fame gets it wrong, and they get it wrong every year, right? It's just, that's what's so weird to me. Baseball has such an issue because they want to root themselves in their traditionalism, and I get it, but then they're like, we got to modernize the game, but then, you know, you still have the untold, the, the unwritten rules. You have all that. There's no, I mean, they only have, the leagues are different because you have a DH in one and not in the other because, you know, the National League, I, I just... Baseball's so backwards. I hate it. I absolutely hate it. AJ, thank you so much for joining me tonight. Always, buddy. Dude, it was great stuff. You do a great job as always. Uh, you can find AJ on 107.7 as he's going to be calling the Mountain Crest basketball game. And you can also find one. him on this very station, 106.9 FM. I'll be back in like 45 minutes. He's not moving. No. He'll be back. Don't you dare change that dial. For Richie Schiller, for AJ Knight, I'm AJ Salves. And we'll talk to you on a Monday on a very busy recap Monday edition of the Full Court Press. Every day, Doctors Without Borders teams confront hard facts in conflict and crisis zones. When others might look away, we step in to act. Because measles still kills more than 100,000 children every year. We're there to vaccinate over a million worldwide, including those affected by the current outbreak in Democratic Republic of Congo. Because half of all maternal deaths occur during delivery or within 24 hours. We've assisted more than 1.4 million births around the world, including care for new mothers in Afghanistan, 